Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and overpolicing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Repeating, we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. You're out of order! You're out of order! The whole trial is out of order! You have meddled with the primal forces of nature! And you will atone! Hey there! I am your mad prophet of the airwaves and welcome once again to Radio Free Canada news notes and opinions from the underground for Tuesday, October 11th in the year of our Lord 2022. And good afternoon to everyone except the woke imbeciles at the Waterloo Regional District School Board who wished everyone a happy long holiday weekend holiday rather than a happy Thanksgiving. There is nothing colonialist about Thanksgiving. Nothing. Not a thing. So I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving and a lovely long weekend. My family had a terrific extra long weekend. We drove up to Sault Ste. Marie on Thursday, 
nearly eight hours in the car, including a food break. And then we took uh, the Agua Canyon tour aboard a train and took in the absolutely stunning fall colors. Put that on your bucket list if you haven't done it. The Agua Canyon train tour. And then we came home Saturday, spent Sunday in Brantford to enjoy Thanksgiving dinner with my side of the family and then celebrated our twin son's 16th birthday on Monday. You'll notice, uh, Jacob, I left out the Blue Jays complete and embarrassing collapse. (laughs) Well, now I've said it. Uh, But not even that, not even that could detract from the rest of the great weekend. So we are back at it today. And uh, as usual, so many important things to discuss and not enough time. I I guess I should begin with this. Bob, uh, sorry, Rob, Rob Roos is a Dutch member of the European Parliament. And um, here he is. He was questioning a Pfizer director in the European Parliament. Have a listen. If you don't get vaccinated, you're antisocial. This is what the Dutch Prime Minister and Health Minister told us. You don't get vaccinated just for yourself, but also for others. You do it for all of society. That's what I said. Today, this turned out to be complete nonsense. In a COVID hearing in the European Parliament, one of the Pfizer directors just admitted to me, at the time of introduction, the vaccine had never been tested on stopping the transmission of the virus. This removes the entire legal basis for the COVID passport. The COVID passport that led to massive institutional discrimination as people lost access to essential parts of society. I find this to be shocking, even criminal. Please watch the video until the end. And I will speak in English so there are no misunderstandings. Was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market? If not, please say it clearly. If yes, are you willing to share the data with this committee? And I really want a straight answer, yes or no, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Um, regarding the question around, um, did we know about stopping humanization before um, it entered the market? No. Uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. This is scandalous. Millions of people worldwide felt forced to get vaccinated because of the myth that you do it for others. Now this turned out to be a cheap lie. This should be exposed. Please share this video. What are we supposed to do with this information? I mean, this is not really new. We've known this for quite some time, but now we have confirmation. But what are we supposed to do with this? As Mr. Roos notes, the vaccine passport mandates were based on this false premise that vaccines prevented transmission. Excluding the unvaccinated from fully participating in society was based on this false premise. The travel mandates were based on this false premise. Quarantining was based on this false premise. Now we have an admission. The vaccine was not even designed to reduce transmission. Public health had to know this. The federal cabinet had to know this. So this is criminality. How can the actions of governments and public health officials around the world in this light be considered legal? Once again, they lied to us. How many lives ruined? How many businesses destroyed? And of course, the media played along. They are complicit in the lie. And do you think we'll ever get 
even an apology. Not only will we, will we not get an apology, governments and public health officials will repeat the lie. When our crime minister and his sinister lying cabal in cabinet reintroduce COVID mandates, they will lie. They will lie some more and then they, ins- they will insist as they lie that they are following the science. Former Democrat presidential nominee uh, candidate Tulsi Gabbard has formally quit the Democratic Party in the U.S., or rather, I'm sure she'd agree, the Democratic Party quit her. Here she is making her announcement on social media. I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party that's under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers who were driven by cowardly wokeness who divide us by racializing every issue and stoking anti-white racism, who actively work to undermine our God-given freedoms that are enshrined in our Constitution, who are hostile to people of faith and spirituality, who demonize the police but protect criminals at the expense of law-abiding Americans, who believe in open borders, who weaponize the national security state to go after their political opponents, and above all, who are dragging us ever closer to nuclear war. Now, I believe in a government that's of the people, by the people, and for the people. Unfortunately, today's Democratic Party does not. Instead, it stands for a government that is of, by, and for the powerful elite. Now, I'm calling on my fellow common sense, independent-minded Democrats to join me in leaving the Democratic Party. If you can no longer stomach the direction that the so-called woke Democratic Party ideologues are taking our country, then I invite you to join me. Tulsi Gabbard, and like Bill Maher and Russell Brand before her, has been completely red-pilled, although not entirely. I mean, she's still pretty progressive on many issues, including abortion. But who knows? Who knows? She may come around now that she's taken that first step. Before the brainwashing can be undone, the first thing you must do is quit the cult, right? Then the, the, the real deprogramming can begin. And we're seeing this. More and more reasonable people who identify politically as liberal are waking up to the fact that the left are certifiably crazy. Certifiable. And this is encouraging to see because liberals are not the problem. The problem is the radical progressive left. They're a dangerous cult. And I pray that every day more and more escape this cult and get the help and support they need. And I'll be standing by to welcome them with open arms. Matt Walsh is a terrific conservative broadcaster and filmmaker. He produced that amazing documentary, What is a Woman?, And Matt is uh, fearless. He's been helping to lead a campaign against children's hospitals who are providing what they call gender-affirming care. In fact, it's called child abuse. Child-affirming care to uh, confused boys and girls who are manipulated into believing they were born in the wrong body. And this is, as regular listeners to this program are fully aware, something I discuss a lot, the abuse of children. So Media Matters thought they had a gotcha moment, and they went all the way back to 2010 and 2011 to try and get Matt Walsh. And they found on his radio program, it was called the Matt and Crank program on a Delaware's WZBH. And Walsh at the time asserted that girls getting pregnant at a young age is perfectly normal. He said that teen pregnancy isn't a problem as long as the teens are married and stressed that it's normal for 16-year-old girls to get pregnant because that's when they're technically most fertile. 
And now, of course, the mob is coming after Matt Walsh and demanding that he apologize. Here is the courageous and fearless Matt Walsh's response to the mob. So here's my official answer for the record. Um, Kiss my ass. I do not apologize. In fact, by all rights, you sick freaks should be the ones apologizing to me for lying and defaming me and doing it all because I'm trying to prevent you from sexually mutilating children. You damned monsters. You child abusing psychopaths. I wouldn't apologize to you soulless parasites if I had a gun to my head. Oh, it's brilliant. There's more and perhaps time permitting, I'll play it. But Matt Walsh has just conducted a clinic on how to respond to the mob. Never apologize. You tell the mob to go and pound sand. So this is inspiring. The model for anyone who is confronted by the mob. Thank you, Matt Walsh. Okay, with that, here's what we have lined up for you today on this program. Uh, On Friday, while I was away, a bombshell from the Surgeon General in the state of Florida warning young men from getting the COVID-19 vaccine, citing the risk is greater than the benefit. Again, this is not even controversial at this point. Sheila Gunn-Reed from Rebel News will be here. A last order of business in, second, in the second hour to discuss. Art Moore from WND will be here in hour two to discuss a group in the U.S. who are trying to expose the deadly hospital COVID protocols. Conservative MP Michael Cooper will be here in hour two to talk about the illegal communist Chinese police stations in Canada. Three of them. This hour, our homeschool advisor, Ruth Gaskowski. Tom Korski from Blacklock's Reporter has the story of a secret memo from Canada's spy agency stating that the lone Nazi flag waved at the Freedom Convoy was not representative of the trucker convoy. In, in fact, they said the trucker convoy was infiltrated. Coming up next, the Eglinton Crosstown LRT project has dragged on for over a decade with no end in sight. What's going on? Sue Ann Levy from True North has that story. The Richard Serrett Show, off and running for Tuesday, October 11th. Facta non verba. We're back as The Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. All right. The uh, Eglinton Crosstown LRT. It's dragged on for over a decade and uh, no end in sight. Sue Ann Levy is an investigative journalist, True North contributor, and the author of Underdog, Confessions of a Right-Wing Gay Jewish Muckraker. Sue Ann, welcome back. How are you? Thanks, Richard. How are you? Terrific. Hope you had a great holiday weekend. I actually had a great holiday weekend, and before that, a great holiday in Rome. Oh, yes, I heard. I heard you were yeah. off. Beautiful. Yeah. All right. Um, so... The uh, you live in the uh, the the uh, that or the Eglinton <laughs> corridor. This has gone on for what eleven years since they first broke ground. Eleven plus, yes, since they started that crazy tunnel boring, you know, where they dug underground with these tunnel borers at two in the morning, um, or all night, I should say. And I was awakened at two in the morning, thinking there were raccoons on my roof, but it was actually the tunnel boring machine going underneath Eglinton. <laughs> we're right. we're just a couple doors from Eglinton, south of Eglinton. Wow. And it was supposed to be completed, what, was it this fall? No, 2020. 2020. Initially, it was supposed to be 2020. Um, and then some legal um, action ensued between Crosslinks and Metrolinks. And they used that, I think, as an excuse to hold things up. But then, of course, COVID became the prime excuse. Um, but really, the current excuse 
for the, because uh, it was supposed to be done this fall. Uh, the current excuse is that they're having problems digging under existing subway, uh, an inexisting subway uh, line, uh, such as at Young and Eglinton. And I would imagine Avenue Road, Eglinton and Avenue Road has become a problem as well. Right. So this thing is supposed to run 19 kilometers across the across the city. Uh, yeah. The original price tag was what, uh, $9 billion? It was nine billion, but as I've come to realize, um, I think they built in all kinds of contingencies for you know this kind of thing to happen. So who knows what the real price should have been? Uh, but they keep saying they're on budget, and you know with all these delays, I can imagine that they ballooned the budget. Let's say doesn't it sound like there's a, doesn't sound like there's a lot of transparency here. I mean, we don't know what the the uh, contingency uh, is we don't know how much or if they're at, they are in fact on budget. I mean, who's keeping an eye? This is being managed by Metrolinx. Who's keeping an eye on Metrolinx? Well, the Ford government is supposed to. And, you know, in the latest I noticed it was actually happened when I was in Rome, but wrote about it when I came home. I noticed that the none of the, I guess, MPPs that are affected by this delay who live in this area None of them commented, um, and probably there were strict orders not to say anything. But Ford government has not done a great job of of watching over Metrolinks. In Metrolinks hasn't done a great job of looking over Crosslinks. And the thing that really concerns me is that the Ford government has given Metrolinks the responsibility to uh, take charge of all these new subway projects in Toronto. You know the Ontario line that he yes. posted about. So if they can't manage this, how the heck are they going to manage anything else? Sue Ann, we'll take a quick time out, come back and uh, continue to discuss Toronto's version of the Big Dig. It's an apt description, and uh, Sue Ann will explain when we come back. More of the Richard Serra Show straight ahead. Let's get back at it on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. It's the Richard Serra Show. Joanne Levy stays with us, investigative reporter, True North contributor, author of Underdog, Confessions of a Right-Wing Gay Jewish Muckraker. We're talking about the Eglinton Crosstown LRT. Eleven years later, still no estimated time of completion. It's been delayed a third time. Initially, uh, the budget was $9.1 billion. They say they're still on budget. That seems a rather dubious claim. How could you be on budget given all of these delays? Uh, you compare it to the uh, the Boston, the Big Dig, which was, uh, I guess, at the time the largest uh, what in- infrastructure project in North America. Yeah, yeah, it was, and it, it was renowned for being delayed, uh, it, and it went one hundred and ninety percent over budget. One hundred and ninety percent over budget. Wow. Yeah. It's done, though, right? I mean, have you, finally, I've been to Boston. But. Yeah, finally, in I think it was 2007, it was finished. It's just, you know, crazy. Um, yeah. Okay, so tell me about um, Metrolinks. This is the uh, this is an agency created by the provincial government to oversee this right. project and other transit projects, and then Metrolinks, in turn, is overseeing the construction consortium, which is Crosslinks Transit Solutions. So who's Give us a, a glimpse inside Metrolinx. Who's who's uh, who's running that colossal clown show? 
<laughs> well, his name is Phil Verster. And uh, as I pointed out in the article that I did, he got a whopping increase in 2020, I think it was, or 2021, uh, because uh, Doug Ford had given him responsibility for all these Toronto projects that he had announced. So as of last year, according to the Sunshine List, he was making $838,000. Now you go tell that to even the businesses down the street from me who have closed. I mean, we're, we're hit with this for years and years, barely hung on by their fingernails. Many of them didn't. Um, and, and then, of course, they were hit by COVID. But I've seen so many businesses shut. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. And you, you remember the St. Clair right away project? Oh, yes. It was small in comparison. Well, when that ended and Eglinton was announced, I predicted that it was going to be another St. Clair, but it's even worse. I mean, I've never seen so many businesses go under. And, you know, and then those who are just trying to hang on restaurants, that sort of thing. I don't know how they manage to pay the bills. And what about Crosslinks? Who's, who's heading Crosslinks? Well, there's... Uh, you know, there's a gentleman who's head, and I can't think of his name offhand, but I did mention him in the article that the gentleman who's heading up Crosslink, he's he's a character as well, because um, a couple of years ago, because I've been following this for years, I think I've done probably seven or eight stories on it, uh, and not just because it affects me, but I feel sorry for the businesses. He had this, um, they had this heated meeting, I think it was in 2017, um, on Bathurst Street at a synagogue. Because they were prepared to shut down Bathurst entirely, the cross section or the intersection, I should say, um, to build, um, I guess, build under and to do whatever they had to do. And there was a huge outcry because people, you know, I know that I've been hemmed in my street many times and people were not going to. I mean, it's a major north south access. So they had this heated meeting. The gentleman got up on stage and said, well, mark my words, this will all be done by 2020. All the construction, paraphernalia, all the road detours, all the road, the cement blockades will be off Eglinton. Well, Richard, 
I mean, we laugh. We laugh. We, when we came back from Rome, like these stations, we're right near one of the stations being the chaplain station. We laugh because they're nowhere near finished. And the blockades, they've just shut down our intersection again for a month or maybe two or maybe three. Was I reading in the article where, uh, because you, again, you live in that area, you've had three flat tires just because of the construction there? Yeah, I had two in my car and one on my bike. I just got the one on my bike fixed. And I mean, the roads are terrible all over Toronto. Don't get me started on that. But around here, the debris, the blockade, like the block, the, the streets are so blocked that you have to go on this huge securitist route to even get into your own street. The other thing is that because Chaplin has been such a mess, they've been using our street and others as a, and this is happening in Cedarvale as well. They're using it as a detour cars and they come roaring up and down the streets. I mean, two years ago, I think we came out the front door and TTC buses were going up and down the street. It's just a small street. <laughs> Wow. And then once they finally get it completed, I mean, I'm very dubious about, you know, these uh, in, in this climate, these uh, these LRTs. I mean, I don't know if you've followed what's happened up in Ottawa since they installed their. Yeah. Uh, it's just been one boondoggle after another. They never run properly, uh, you know, switching problems and everything just because of our climate. And it's not designed for this type of a. The only thing that's that, you know, is a fail is fail safe here is that much of it's underground. So right. that's why another reason it's taken so long. And that was why the tunnel boring machines. But people had cracks in their houses. We have cracks in our foundation. And that's another thing. Go try and get money back from Metrolinx. And I'm not criticizing them because, but, but they have no accountability. They, they have no accountability whatsoever. They will go out of their way to make your life difficult. They don't communicate. And they let you know about road closures at the 11th hour. Um, and detours, they don't even tell you, you can't turn out of your streets. I mean, that agency should be blown up and start again. You know, it started under Kathleen Wynne, so under the liberals. So, mm, why am I not surprised? Well, CEO and Ford Bill has Hurst. done nothing to clean it up. That's the problem. Indeed. CEO Phil Verster getting a 46% increase. Uh, raking in $838,960 for our troubles. Suen Levy, thank you so much. Great work as always. Oh, you're welcome, Richard. All right, when we come back, that uh, whole Nazi flag fiasco, totally overblown, according to Canada's spy agency. Tom Korski, managing editor at Blacklock's Reporter, is next. You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga, 960 AM. All right, welcome back. So dial back late January. You have 15,000 freedom-loving truckers and supporters on Parliament Hill protesting against the vaccine mandates, the COVID restrictions. And uh, there, amongst the 15,000, one lone crazy waving a swastika flag and someone else waving a Confederate flag, although I don't understand the context. <laughs> anyway, um, of course, much was made of that. A great deal was made of that. And now comes word that a secret memo published just four days after that incident by Canada Spy Agency basically saying it was no big deal. 
all overblown. Tom Korski, managing editor, Blacklocks reporter. Hey, Tom, how was your weekend? Oh, as well. Thank you, Richard. Terrific. All right. So this um, this is CSIS. Um, this memo came forward now. Is this because of the uh, the inquiry, which is uh, uh, being launched on Thursday? And, well, the multiple inquiries going on now that in various uh, parliamentary committees, but these were included in documents summoned by parliamentarians. Absolutely. They, tr- they want to get to the bottom of this, Richard. They're looking for evidence and they, of, of why the Emergencies Act was invoked. And they're, they're looking high and low in the darkest corner of every cupboard for anything that would justify that act. So what, just to unpack this, uh, this secret memo of, regarding the uh, CSIS and their views on this uh, swastika and, I guess, the Confederate flag. It was interesting, the timing, number one, and the fact this was secret, and the fact that the spy agency wrote it in the first place. It was as if they felt compelled to answer the implication that this was some sort of Nazi insurrection. How often did you hear that, including from members of cabinet, that this was a vast right-wing conspiracy to topple the 44th parliament? And CISA says in his five-page memo, that's a bunch of baloney. There was a couple of kooks who had offensive flags. This was not representative of the vast majority of uh, protesters. This is not unique in protests. You get all sorts of people showing up. Everyone knows this. And they went on to say, we do have freedom of expression in this country, even if the expression is vile, like waving a Nazi flag. But they went on to say, Uh, Aside from individuals, I'm quoting them, who specifically identified themselves as part of the convoy group, the service is unaware of the presence of ideologically motivated extremist groups at the weekend protests. In other words, these people were exactly what they claimed to be, a bunch of Canadians who didn't like a federal order. That's it. Uh, And and did they did they also come out and say that there's no evidence that the, the convoy itself or the movement, let's call it, uh, was infiltrated by this unsavory element? Oh, they, they, they were quite emphatic. The analysts who wrote this, and, and they're writing this, this is a secret report to Kavanaugh. They say the Canadian flag was the most, I'm quoting again, most prevalent flag on display likely reflecting participants' belief they are patriotic Canadians standing up for their democratic rights, a small number of flags, both purchased and homemade, reflected racist and bigoted worldviews. The presence of these flags, however, is not unique to this event and are often seen in other protests. The spy agency had the coolest head in the room, Richard. Because, as you know, the Freedom Convoy never heard the end of it. That Mm. that was used to slander the protest to to the nth degree. And to slander Melissa Lansman, a Jew who was told in Parliament that you slander the people waving swastikas. Um, So this this memo went to Cabinet. So Cabinet had this uh, by early February. February 2nd, that, the Tuesday after the big protest, after the Nazi flag on the Saturday. Anyone who wanted to read this report in cabinet could have asked for it, could have received it. This was, this was March secret, but for Canadian eyes. That means anyone who wanted inside government, who wanted to read that at the cabinet level, they were welcome to it. They knew exactly what the facts were. 
So the uh, the big official inquiry that kicks off on Thursday and Trudeau will be uh, uh, summoned, as will Christian Freeland and McKenna and others, many, many others. Um, do you do you know whether this specific memo will be brought up to any members of cabinet, Mendocino or anyone during the inquiry? And will they be asked? Well, about there's, yeah, there's 19 million dollars worth of lawyers in the room. So we have to presume, Richard, the, <laughs> they're going to do their job. But there's no doubt the question is why. And indeed, the judge said that again today when he named, as you point out, a fifth of cabinet is going to testify under oath, under threat of perjury on why they invoke the Emergencies Act. That's the whole point of the inquiry. We're not talking about truck drivers and whether someone said not, something naughty on their Facebook page. No one cares about that. This was a big deal. Cabinet invoked an Emergencies Act. They froze millions in bank accounts. They dropped the hammer. Why? They claimed it was because the nation's security was at risk. You know what, Richard? So far, we're looking at a secret memo talking about one kook with a Nazi flag. You're going to have to come up with something better than that. Oh, and they got nothing. They've got nothing. They got nothing. This is going to get good starting Thursday. Tom, thank you as always. Thank you, Richard. Tom Korski, Managing Editor, Blacklocks Reporter. Please support independent media, blacklocks.ca. The Homeschool Advisor is next. Back to the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. The Homeschool Advisor on The Richard Serrett Show. Welcome back. During our survivalist segment with Stefan Verstappen, um, he mentioned that on the weekend he had uh, he was conducting a sort of a St. John's ambulance course and teaching people in his community CPR. And I said, well, they should teach that in school. He said, no, they don't do that anymore. We couldn't figure out why. And uh, got Ruth Kaskowski and I thinking, you know, what else are they not teaching in the public schools that they should be teaching in the public schools Ruth Gaskowski is our homeschool advisor and the founder of HumanitasFamily.net. HumanitasFamily.net. Ruth, welcome back. How are you? Very good, Richard. Thanks for having me. So actually, all credit goes to you because you, you happen to be listening uh, on Monday and, and you heard about that CPR. And, you, and then you put together kind of a list of things that are considered, what, too dangerous uh, for public schools to teach? How is teaching CPR dangerous? Yeah, good question. Well, I responded right away in my head as I heard you guys talking about this. And I thought, well, we actually did it in our homeschool program. And I spoke with a paramedic and figured out why it's not being taught in public schools. So about three years ago, our science co-op was studying anatomy. And as part of that, of our curriculum, we had a paramedic come and teach a CPR class to our students. And he thought it was a wonderful opportunity, and he lamented that it was no longer, he wasn't able to uh, offer it anymore in schools because of liability reasons. So uh, schools did not want to train children in case they made a mistake and the school would be held liable. So that was the reason it was no longer offered. But uh, he actually said, well, the biggest predictor of survival in a heart attack situation is how quickly someone starts working on the heart, whether that be a child or an adult. So um, he really thought that they passed up on a, on a life-saving sk- skill that every child 
who has uh, enough physical strength to do it can learn. So I think the American Heart Association in their research found out that children as young as nine have enough body strength to actually work on a body in CPR. So physically, there's no reason and mentally, there's no reason why children wouldn't be able to do it. And so he taught CPR to our elementary students all the way up to high school students. And they all had dummies uh, to practice on and um, learned their CPR skills. And it was a very unique and valuable lesson. So they're not teaching it because of insurance issues, liability. That's just that is so lame, such a lame excuse. Uh, you know, you, you could extend that, that logic and say, well, we shouldn't teach them math because they might grow up to be an accountant. And then, you know, they might someone they might get charged with uh, fraud or or I don't know, force someone into insolvency because of their bad accounting practices. It's just an absurd, an absurd line of reasoning. It really is. Uh, so I know this got you to thinking, you know, what other things are considered too dangerous for the public schools uh, to teach. Uh, what else do we have? Well, fire. Uh, in North America, fire is generally seen as a threat. And we, uh, usually we just tell children, don't play with matches, keep away from fire. But uh, what this actually does is it, it um, doesn't offer children to the opportunity to come into contact with fire. If you come into contact with it, you actually will learn and know how to be safe. You can evaluate and identify hazards, and it teaches children to assess risk. So in our homeschool groups, we actually use matches and we make match rockets. Uh, we make hot air balloons uh, that involve fire to teach thermodynamics. And, and I think teaching fires, uh, like making fires out in nature, is uh, an essential skill. So in studies, um, educators were trying to figure out why was North America so afraid compared to Europe? So in Germany and Switzerland, for example, fire is seen as a tool, not as a threat. And it's a tool that children should be taught and familiar with. And um, often uh, parents will model this for children on the weekend because we have many fireplaces, for example, in Switzerland, out in the forests where children come into direct contact with building fires and how to do it as young as four to five years old. To us in North America, this might seem irresponsible, but really what it's doing is it models uh, safe practices for them, and through engaging with fire, they can it can kind of turn from what we might see as a menace into an actual survival skill. Exactly that that is a, a pretty basic survival skill, and you know a lot of us may be heating our homes with a fireplace this winter if these uh, natural gas prices keep going up, which they will. Uh, so that's so true. Like taking. Um, something so basic and fundamental to, to human existence and, you know, making us afraid of it. And, and well, that, that's just sort of the North American way, isn't it? We just we want to bubble wrap everything. And it's all about risk aversion and safety over common sense. Um, what else? What else are we too afraid to teach our kids in, in public schools? All right. Well, along with fires comes knives. And you said mm. it's kind of like, you know, fire is kind of an ancient connection. Well, so is knives and whittling. I looked it up, actually. Whittling goes back 11,500 years, just after the Ice Age is when we have the first whittling that's identified. And whittling actually means making the making of useful things. And um, knives used to be given to boys at a very young age as a rite of passage. Um, it's great for de-stressing, uh, living in the moment and actually making small, useful things and a great pastime. 
Um, but generally, we don't let children use knives at a very young age. Here, when I observe, uh, even when we let p- uh, young boys or girls whittle, uh, we might say, well, try a paring knife or something really safe. Um, in uh, in other countries, uh, small knives will come with just an instruction, you know, use a Band-Aid if you cut yourself. <laughs> That's a logical conclusion, you know. Learn through experience, you know, cut away from yourself, not towards yourself. And uh, research has shown that if you kind of allow students to, to work with sharp and what we might consider dangerous tools, allowing them to develop this responsibility, it actually has significant social and emotional implications because it gives them a sense of agency from being trusted to use dangerous tools appropriately. And it kind of leads to increased resiliency and responsibility, and it increases overall confidence, and it gives them great skills as well, and it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. Let's bring knives and fire back to public schools. I'm all for it. And CPR training, of course, in responsible ways, naturally. Ruth Gaskowski, our homeschool advisor, humanitasfamily.net, H-U-M-A-N, as in human, I-T-A-S, humanitasfamily.net. Thanks, as always, Ruth. Great work. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. All right. Talk to you next week, Richard. Bye-bye. All right. Hour two awaits on the other side. Michael Cooper, conservative member of parliament for St. Albert Edmonton, will be here to discuss these Chinese communist uh, police stations that have been set up in uh, in Canada. Three of them. And they're illegal. Why are they here? Michael Cooper has that story. Art Moore will be here from WND. We'll taking we'll talk about this uh, group down in the U.S. that are uh, trying to expose the deadly hospital covid protocols that perhaps uh, cost so many lives down uh, in the U.S. during the pandemic. And uh, Sheila Gunn-Reed from Rebel News will be here uh, to tell us about the Surgeon General in Florida. Last Friday, the Florida Department of Health announcing the findings of the uh, the agency's independent evaluation of the mRNA vaccine uh, uh, efficacy and reported injury. And uh, that led the Surgeon General basically to warn young Uh, adults from taking the vaccine. Uh, All that coming your way in hour two. Stay with us. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption. This is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! 
only to win the battle, but to win the war. Feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. And welcome to Hour 2 of The Richard Serrett Show. Please check out the website, therichardserrettshow.com, therichardserrettshow.com. If you missed Hour 1, you missed a lot, but don't despair. Still, plenty of great programming coming your way. Sheila Gunn-Reed, Rebel News Bureau Chief for Alberta and host of The Gun Show, will be here, last order of business. And um, I was away Thursday, Friday, so I missed a lot. Uh, You missed a lot in Hour 1. I missed a lot. Towards the end of uh, last week, including a press release that was issued on uh, Friday by the Florida Department of Health, in which they announced the findings of their agency's independent evaluation of the mRNA vaccine efficacy and reported injuries. And uh, the be all and the end all or the upshot of it is that the Surgeon General of Florida recommending against men or males ages 18 to 39 recommending against the COVID-19 mRNA vaccine for males aged 18 to 39. Now, to me, this is hardly controversial. We've seen the uh, the data. We've analyzed the data on this program with people like Kelly Brown and the, uh, the benefit, or sorry, the risk, the risk for that particular cohort outweighs the benefit of the vaccine. And uh, so says Surgeon General Dr. Joseph Latipo. In Florida. So Sheila Gunn-Reed will be here to discuss that. Art Moore, our good friend from WND, will uh, will talk about this organization. They're called Former Feds Group. Sorry. Um, the huma- COVID-19 Humanity Betrayal M- Memory Project. And uh, they're basically trying to um, bring attention to deaths and injuries and so forth brought about by hospital protocols during uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. Many families lost uh, a loved one to COVID. They say because of hospital protocols, banning of treatments, for example, that physicians around the world and studies have found to be safe and effective like ivermectin, or withholding monoclonal antibodies, or insisting on administering remdesivir, or putting people on ventilators. These are some of the actions that have been called into question by family members who have lost loved ones that are part of this uh, this group, the Humanity Betrayal Memory Project. So Art Moore will have that story. This is another shocker. Recently came to light, the Chinese Communist government has apparently set up police stations on Canadian soil to, uh, I guess, presumably to surveil Chinese nationals living in this country. I know um, Conservative MP Michael Cooper, 
is as concerned as many of us are about this. The uh, MP for St. Albert Edmonton, and he uh, joins us now. Michael, welcome to the program. How are you? I think you're on mute there, Michael. Good to be with you. Great to have you. Thank you. When did you first learn about this? I learned about it uh, last week when it was reported in the media uh, that there are at least three illegal Chinese communist operated police stations uh, in Canada, at least three, uh, two in Markham and one in Scarborough, operating evidently in the open, including uh, one at a convenience store in Scarborough and another at a shopping mall in Markham. Now, you say this is illegal. Uh, do we know that that for a fact? I mean, on the surface, it would seem like a no brainer that this is I mean, there's national sovereignty here, uh, a national sovereignty issue. But are they, in fact, uh, illegal? Well, first of all, if these reports are accurate and there's no reason to believe that they're not, they absolutely would be illegal. Uh, it is true that there is a legitimate role for a po- police liaison state to state, but that those are governed by uh, bilateral treaties. We have no such treaty with the PRC to operate these kinds of police stations. So absolutely, uh, they would be uh, in in violation of international law, uh, in contravention of all diplomatic uh, norms and constitute a serious uh, assault on Canadian sovereignty. So, as you say, they are operating in the open, one out of a convenience store in Markham. Are these uh, full-fledged, you know, communist Chinese police officers? Are they are they walking around with sidearms? Do they have handcuffs? Are they are they arresting people? What are they up to? Well, according to the human rights group Safe Defenders, that uh, wrote a report detailing the existence of these. Uh, police stations, not only in Canada, but there are apparently 50, at least 50 worldwide. And uh, according to the report from uh, Safeguard Defenders, uh, these police stations are being used to intimidate uh, Chinese Canadian citizens. Uh, They're also being used as a a way uh, to uh, implement the Chinese communist regime's policy of involuntary return, a system by which the regime compels expats to return home, uh, often using threats uh, of uh, punishment for family members that are living uh, in communist China. So, um, and just with respect to the policy of involuntary return of uh, the People's Republic of China boasted last year uh, that they were able to coerce some 230,000 of their nationals to return to the PRC. Involuntary return. That sounds like a fancy way of saying kidnapping. Well, certainly uh, coercion, pressure, intimidation and uh, a, a very, very grave threat. Uh, to Canadian sovereignty and the safety and security of Canadians and permanent residents who are in Canada. So uh, are, are we hearing any complaints from Chinese nationals living in Canada, Canadian citizens or not, uh, where these communist Chinese police officers are like knocking on their door uh, in the middle, I don't know, in the middle of the night and, and uh, interrogating them, anything like that? Well, there have been many Chinese Canadians and, and other 
activists who have spoken out, who have expressed concern, who have said that they are feeling intimidated, uh, they don't feel comfortable speaking out or critiquing the regime, that they're fearful for the safety and security of family members uh, back home in the People's Republic of China and the existence or apparent existence of at least three illegal police stations further establishes their reasons for being concerned. Have you raised in the, in the House of Commons, Michael? I did pose a question in question period last Friday. Uh, to which uh, I, I didn't get much of an answer other than that th- th- these police stations are apparently being investigated. Uh, but I have to say that it's really uh, surprising uh, that these police stations could operate in the open, again, at a convenience store, and our police and security agencies being completely in the dark. That just doesn't add up. I, I think Canadians deserve answers. Uh, and and to, to which uh, cabinet minister did you address your question? Uh, well, I had uh, the it was answered by Pam Damoff, who's the parliamentary secretary to the Minister of Public Safety. Minister of Public Safety. Would that be Marco Mendocino? Uh, that that is uh, Marco Mendocino. But she just happened to be uh, the parliamentary secretary who fielded an answer to the question. I mean, this is an area that falls within uh, foreign affairs, global affairs, Canada. Uh, immigration, um, public safety, uh, and the RCMP, uh, which, of course, falls under public safety. And look, uh, it's just it's good or, you know, it's absolutely appropriate that there be investigation. It's just a question of how did this happen in the first place? Um, And up until now, there have been no arrests, no uh, expulsion of diplomats, no representations even that have evidently been made to the Chinese uh, communist regime, uh, no revocation of visas, so no action. Uh, but a, an investigation is apparently being undertaken, and presumably uh, those and other actions will be taken uh, upon the conclusion of an investigation. MP Michael Cooper, representing St. Uh, Albert Edmonton, a uh, member of the Conservative Party. He stays with us a few minutes yet. We'll uh, take a quick time out and come back and discuss this uh, absolutely shocking story. Communist Chinese uh, police stations operating on Canadian soil. Back with more of our conversation in three minutes. Welcome back to The Richard Serra Show on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. All right. Uh, any idea how long these these uh, illegal police stations, communist Chinese police stations, have been operating in Canada? Uh, it's not clear, uh, but uh, presumably for the past several months, at, at the very least. And do we have a handle on uh, the number of, of, of police, communist Chinese police here operating? Uh, we don't know uh, the number uh, so so the answer is no. And, and and that's part of the issue is just who is involved in this. Uh, for example, are there people accredited to the diplomatic mission of the PRC in Canada that are working at these stations? Uh, are there people who uh, have visas who uh, entered Canada and were issued visas under false pretenses. We don't know the answer to those questions, and they need to be answered, and they need to be answered as quickly as possible. Do you suspect that um, uh, 
well, you said that this falls would fall under the jurisdiction of, uh, I guess, foreign affairs or whatever they call it now, global affairs. Do you do you suspect that they know the answers to these questions? Well, they uh, are apparently undertaking an investigation and it, it doesn't just fall under global affairs. It does fall under the RCMP uh, in terms of uh, the potential for the laying of criminal charges, uh, as well as citizenship and immigration. Uh, as, as I mentioned, if there are people who came here and were issued visas or otherwise are on Canadian soil on the basis of false pre, uh, false pretenses, then they need to be removed from Canada as expeditiously as possible. Did the parliamentary secretary uh, in uh, Minister Marco Mendocino's absence, did did she give you any sort of a timeline when she would get back to you with any sort of uh, answers? I mean, when is this investigation to be concluded and when can we expect to know more? No, she gave a, a generic answer uh, that indicated an investigation was taking place. Uh, similarly, uh, Weldon Epp of Global Affairs Canada, who appeared before the Canada-China Committee when answering questions from uh, our shadow minister of foreign affairs, Michael Chong, uh, said there was an investigation, but refused to get into the details uh, of that investigation on an operational basis. Right. Um, You know, this is uh, somewhat reminiscent of a story that uh, out of Vancouver, I guess, last year, the report of this Chinese based restaurant chain uh, that had set up surveillance cameras again in Canadian uh, on Canadian soil in Canadian restaurants. And the uh, the allegation was that these surveillance cameras were make sure making sure that the patrons, mainly Chinese Canadians, were complying with the Chinese social credit system. Uh, Are you familiar with that story? Yes, I am. And I think this speaks more broadly to the fact that it is important that uh, how the Chinese communist regime deals with us needs to be scrutinized. Uh, We need to recognize, uh, as evidenced by the uh, recent report from the National Security and Intelligence Committee of Parliamentarians, that the Chinese communist regime is the largest source of foreign interference in Canada and underscores the need for why we need to decouple ourselves from communist China. Um, Should the Conservative Party form the next government under your new leader, um, um, Pierre Polyev, excuse me, what would uh, what would the policy be in terms of, I don't know, uh, perhaps decoupling from communist China? Well, look, I I think. First of all, I mean, that's a broad question. I think we've got to deal with some of these very serious issues impacting our safety and security and sovereignty. And uh, the fact that these police stations, for example, are operating on Canadian soil uh, needs to be addressed and steps have to be taken to counter this and ensure that this never happens again. Michael Cooper, conservative MP for St. Albert Edmonton. Michael, thank you so much for your time. We'll uh, we'll continue to follow this story. It's important. Absolutely. Good to be with you. All right. Thank you. All right. Uh, When we come back, Art Moore will be here from WNT and uh, we'll talk about this uh, organization in the U.S. trying to expose a lot of the deadly hospital COVID protocols uh, that took place during the pandemic, including the rush to place people on ventilator, ventilators, which seemed to hasten death, denying 
um, early intervention, things like ivermectin, monoclonal uh, antibodies, and so forth. And uh, then, towards the tail end of the program, Sheila Gunn-Reed, Rebel News Alberta Bureau Chief, will be here uh, to tell us about Florida's uh, Surgeon General and, in fact, the Florida Department of Health announcing that they are recommending against men 18 to 39 take the mRNA, the COVID mRNA vaccine. All right, stay with us. The Richard Serrett Show continues right after these. The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Welcome back. An organization in the United States trying to, quote, end quote, wake up the sheep and expose the uh, deadly hospital COVID protocols uh, that t- has taken place over the last two and a half years. Art Moore is an author at WND and co-author of the bestseller, See Something, Say Nothing. Hey, Art, how are you? Doing well, thanks. Thanks, Richard. So tell me about this uh, group, former Feds Group Freedom Foundation. Who are they? Yeah, it, it's simply a group that that grew out of uh, personal experience, uh, family members losing a loved one after having battled with hospitals over protocols. Uh, in, in this case, people uh, suffering from COVID-19 and being denied uh, treatments such as ivermectin, uh, being forced into treatments such as remdesivir, which have terrible side effects oftentimes for people, uh, being forced on ventilators, which we know early in this pandemic uh, usually led to death. And and so uh, they've compiled uh, more than 250 cases. And and I, I imagine there are many people in your listening audience who uh, have had a similar experience. I, I have a very close friend who who did have that experience with parents and uh it's horrific so this um i guess this they're collating all of these uh these cases and it's called the humanity betrayal memory project humanity betra- sorry covid 19 humanity betrayal memory project and uh, you highlight one uh one um uh case in particular two texas siblings in the project clover and jody carroll uh what happened to their mother yeah, so uh, th- this was in July of 2021, and uh, their their mother was was checked into the hospital, and uh, they 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 tried to um, uh, you know press these these healthcare officials or, or, or personnel you know to to give uh, some of the care that they were hearing about. Uh, they got in contact with Dr. Peter McCullough, who many people know as one of the outspoken. Uh, Positions uh, during this pandemic uh, against the the vaccines and and for treatments such as ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, and uh, they just ran into a situation where it it really seemed that that uh, the hospital, the administrators, the the nurses, the doctors were locked into a particular protocol. They couldn't think outside the box. They couldn't uh, you know reason that hey, this person is dying. Let's try something different. What we're doing is not working. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. 
The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Right. And so she was placed on a ventilator and, and then uh, passed away. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and that's sadly the case. There, there are many untold stories uh, of, of that happening. And um, there's, you know, there's some more research that's being done into this. And uh, but there's a lot of people who have come to the conclusion that uh, the federal government you know, was rewarding hospitals. Uh, if, you know, first of all, for simply you know, diagnosing people with COVID-19, uh, you'd get extra funding for that. Uh, but also just, uh, you know, making sure that they they stuck with a particular protocol. And we've heard about, uh, you know, some of the treatments uh, made by you know, big pharma like uh, Pfizer itself. We know Pfizer, of course, you know, is behind the vaccine that most people uh, have, have taken, at least in North America. And um, also uh, you know, some other drugs, you know, to treat uh, COVID-19, uh, very, very expensive uh, but uh, around the world, uh, you know, in third world countries where they they can't afford these expensive drugs, they've they, they've long been using uh, drugs such as ivermectin and, and have found that that it has an antiviral effect. They found it, you know, to to work. Studies have have backed that up as well. But uh, early in the pandemic, the government, uh, certainly the U.S. government, decided, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to. Uh, recommend the cdc is not going to recommend the, these drugs and uh it, it's really uh interesting too that uh under the trump administration there was this law that was passed called right to try and it's this idea yeah. that you know somebody who's really at the last stages and, and it's, a, it's a last ditch attempt why not let them try an experimental drug uh you know what do they have to lose and uh i think this these siblings even you know tried to go through that process and they went to court and uh they really had a terrible experience. That's why they're trying to tell it is to uh, just expose what's going on. Right. They got a uh, they got a court order from a judge to force the hospital to administer. Well, this is a um, an early treatment protocol that was developed by Dr. Peter McCullough, who you mentioned. Uh, the hospital attorneys basically threw up roadblocks uh, so that they didn't have to to follow this court order. And then their mother died. Uh, and then they had the audacity of the hospital administrators to cite the Hippocratic Oath saying we couldn't administer this because, you know, uh, of the Hippocratic Oath saying, you know, our first responsibility is to do no harm. So they would rather let her die on a ventilator than, you know, try some of these uh, these protocols. It's uh, it's a tragic story and it's played out time and time and time again. Uh, and again, the. Um, Former Feds Group Freedom Foundation compiling these uh, cases, 250 so far. I'm sure that list will continue to grow. Always appreciate your time. Art, how do we get a copy of See Something, Say Nothing? I think the best place to go is Amazon.com for See Something, Say Nothing. Art, thank you. Have a great rest of the week. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. 
When we come back, Sheila Gunn-Reed from Rebel News will talk about the Florida Surgeon General now recommending against men 18 to 39 taking the COVID vaccine. Stay with us. Just having a little chin wag on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Welcome back. I was off Friday, so I missed this story. I would have been all over it Friday, I promise you that, but uh, better than better late than never. And um, But I'm not alone in missing the story. Surprisingly or not surprisingly, I suppose. Didn't get a lot of coverage in the, uh, the mainstream media. And that is the uh, Florida State Health Department on Friday releasing the findings of their independent study on the efficacy and safety of the mRNA vaccine, particularly for men or males aged 18 to 39. And uh, the uh, the Surgeon General of Florida making the announcement on Friday that they are recommending against that particular cohort. Again, men 18 to 39, recommending against them taking the COVID-19 vaccine. Sheila Gunn-Reed, Rebel News, Alberta Bureau Chief, is here with more. Hey, Sheila, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on the show, Richard. I trust you had a, a glorious Thanksgiving long weekend? I did. It was uh, busy, but great. Wonderful, wonderful. All right. So, I mean, there's nothing really controversial uh, in these findings. I mean, we've we've uh, we've had Kelly Brown on the program, the our accidental and unofficial COVID data analyst. He's been sounding the alarms on these uh, these safety signals for probably close to a year in terms of risks and benefits of the COVID nineteen vaccine, particularly with young males. So, why all of the uh, you know now all of the so called experts are slamming uh, Florida's uh, health department after they conduct this independent health uh, study. Why are they uh, so up in arms about it? Well, because it proves all of them wrong for so very, very long. If you were even remotely skeptical or if you wanted to say, let's wait and see, you were called a COVID denialist. Now, all those people who said, you know what, I just want to wait and see. I think this thing is a little bit rushed. Um, I'm a young, healthy individual, so I'm not really at risk of catastrophic COVID. I'm just going to wait and see. If you said that, you were absolutely maligned as an anti-science lunatic by the same people that time and patience is proving wrong. And some people just are unwilling to admit that they got this wrong the whole way through. And while they were getting it wrong and canceling you for saying, let's wait and see, People were being severely damaged all along the way. And that is the most atrocious part is that people were pressured and strong armed into getting a vaccine. They otherwise didn't want because they would be basically eliminated from society. They couldn't travel. They couldn't fly. They couldn't work. Florida, to their credit, they never went that route. And time is proving Florida right. Now, what I found particularly frightening here is that, you know, For young people, they're the ones who wanted to go out to the bars. They're the ones who want to go travel. They're the ones who want to go to university. They're the ones who do the jobs that are outside or staying in rig camps or whatever, depending on what part of the country that you live in. I I realize I'm speaking to an or to an Ontario audience, but I'm using (laughs) Alberta terminology. Um, (laughs) But, you know, those are the people who ended up getting a vaccine to save their jobs. And those young men, as it turns out, are going to pay the price for that. Um, While the people who made these decisions, they just sort of get to shake the dust off their hands and walk away. The analysis from Florida found that there's an 84 percent increase in the relative incidence of cardiac related death. 
This is not injury. This is death. Among males 18 to 39 years old within 28 days following an mRNA vaccination. Now, what's particularly frightening about this is that in Canada, we pressure ganged our military who are basically age 18 to 39 year old men Mm. into getting a Moderna vaccine. And Moderna was the very first vaccine that showed evidence of these cardiac related issues, particularly myocarditis. So once again, Canada uses their military as lab rats. And as it turns out, a lot of them are probably very injured. And we won't know the extent of that for quite some time. 84% increase. I just have to repeat this. This is uh, stunning. Astounding. Again, this is Florida Department of Health. 84% increase in the relative incidence of cardiac-related death among males 18 to 39 within 28 days following an mRNA vaccination and subsequently the uh, the Surgeon General announcing uh, on Friday, Surgeon General of Florida, recommending against men 18 to 39 getting the vaccine. Uh, Sheila, we'll take a quick time out. We'll come back and we'll uh, discuss uh, further. Sheila Reed is Rebel News Alberta Bureau Chief, host of The Gun Show, seen Wednesdays at 9 on rebelnews.com. Back with more of our conversation right after these. Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. Welcome back. The uh, Florida Department of Health on Friday released their analysis of um, the COVID-19 vaccine and found that there is an 84% increase in the relative incidence of cardiac-related death among males 18 to 39 years old within 28 days following the mRNA vaccine And uh, they also found that non-mRNA vaccines were not found to have uh, these increased risks. Uh, And as such, the the state surgeon general recommending against males aged 18 to 39 from receiving mRNA COVID-19 vaccines. Um, As you point out in your article, Sheila Gunn-Reed is uh, with us, Rebel News Bureau Chief, host of The Gun Show, Wednesdays at 9 on rebelnews.com. A number of countries this uh, a year ago pause the use of Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine in young people. Uh, Denmark, I, ba- I basically now recommending against anyone under the age of 50 from taking a COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, do you expect any response uh, uh, from Health, uh, Health Canada or Dr. <laughs> Tam or anyone, I ask rhetorically? Oh, she's out there with a mask. I think today's telling you you've got to get a vaccine basically till the end of your days. Uh, although that might come a lot quicker than you thought, considering um, these MNRA vaccines seem to be jeopardizing your health. I mean, they're just really hanging on to this narrative. And you see this still in Florida. And I think it's now it's political. It's no longer even about maybe we are being extra cautious because we don't know the extent of uh, the harm that COVID-19 can do to a person. I think two years out, we're pretty we're pretty sure what COVID can and can't do to a person. Um, it's torn through our population and most of us are still standing. You see this in the in the headlines about the Florida Surgeon General, and we should talk about him just for a quick second, because if he were on the left, 
he would be an absolute darling. The problem is he's a Republican. You see, he's an immigrant black man from Nigeria. He came to the United States when he was five and he's Harvard educated. He's Joseph A. Ladapo. And like I said, if he were on the left, he would be the American dream. And, you know, you, you he is a Ph.D. in health policy from Harvard. But you have these crazy articles like from the Washington Post, experts slam Florida Surgeon General's warning on coronavirus vaccines. What experts? Who's more of an expert than this guy? Who? Show me somebody. Um, and you've got other articles like from the Los Angeles Times saying Florida is hazardous to your health. How so, my friends in L.A. with your extreme lockdowns? Um, how is Florida where all their young people were living free and yours are dying of opioid o- overdoses because of depression caused by lockdowns? How is Florida hazardous to your health? You know, I pulled up some demographic information because I was always curious, well, looking to confirm my own bias, I guess. Um, Florida is the state with the second oldest population in the country, second behind Maine. And that's because all of New York's old people wisely retire to Florida. They like the weather and probably a little bit of the freedom and the tax rates. Um, But if all of New York's old people are in Florida, why did New York have so many deaths compared to basically the rest of the country? And I think it was how they they handled the pandemic as opposed to how Florida handled it. Florida handled it well. People are happy, healthy, and their businesses aren't destroyed. And it's very interesting to see the criticism being leveled at Florida. And it is because Florida is a Republican state. Really, that's what it comes down to. It doesn't matter how many people died. If they died in a Democrat state, uh, it's just the cost of doing business for the locker downers. Exactly. And again, this is an independent analysis. The data is the data. You can't. You can't uh, argue with that. Uh, just give us a quick update before we uh, we say goodbye, Sheila, on um, newly minted leader of the Alberta Independent Party, Artur Pawlowski. I know you've been uh, on top of this story, too. He uh, he's, he's won another court battle. Yes, he did with the help of his longtime or long-suffering lawyer, depending on, on who you're talking to, Sarah Miller, um, who um, it, her legal fees are being funded through SaveArthur.com. That's in partnership with the Democracy Fund. So if you make a donation there, um, you will qualify for a charitable tax receipt. And thank you so much to everybody who's who's donated there because your donations are so very uh, effective today in court. In Calgary, Archer Plowski had two charges dropped and he was acquitted of another charge stemming from an altercation. I guess you might describe it as that when earlier in the pandemic, Archer was going to collect his mail from a shopper's drug mart. There's a Canada Post outlet inside the shopper's drug mart. He wasn't wearing his mask. He's mask exempt. The cops came. They charged him while in court today. Archer fought the law and Archer won. And uh, successfully uh, had two charges tossed out, acquitted on another. So that's another victory for Pastor Arthur Pulowski brought to you and all of us by Rebel News supporters who continue to donate at SaveArthur.com. So another win. All right. And they're piling up. We never get tired of winning. We never get tired of winning. (laughs) (laughs) Sheila Gunn-Reed, Rebel News, Alberta Bureau Chief, host of The Gun Show, Wednesdays at 9 at uh, rebelnews.com, 9 p.m. Sheila, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks, Richard. 
All right. Last order of business. Uh, I played this clip earlier. I want to revisit it just because I have a little more time now and I didn't get to play all of it. This is Matt Walsh, a wonderful conservative uh, broadcaster, filmmaker, uh, produced that documentary, What is a Woman? Got, um, he's been sort of leading uh, or helping to lead this campaign against these hospitals that are basically uh, uh, butchering children with their so-called child-affirming care. And uh, so they had to take him down, right? The left needed to take this guy down. They tried and failed. They tried to dig up some old uh, radio program he did over a decade ago in which he talked about teen pregnancy. And I don't necessarily agree with everything that Matt said about this, but he said, listen, if a 16-year-old gets pregnant, um, as long as she's married, and I would agree with this part, you know, that certainly, uh, listen, up until, um, you know, maybe the mid-1900s, Getting uh, getting married and 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 pregnant uh, in 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 your early teen years, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen was probably you know more the rule rather than the exception. Uh, of course, times have changed. However, they tried to use that as a gotcha moment um, and um, demand that he issue an apology. Well, Matt was having none of it. Here is Matt Walsh's response to the woke mob. So here's my official answer, for the record. Um, Kiss my ass. I do not apologize. In fact, by all rights, you sick freaks should be the ones apologizing to me for lying and defaming me and doing it all because I'm trying to prevent you from sexually mutilating children. You damned monsters. You child abusing psychopaths. I wouldn't apologize to you soulless parasites if I had a gun to my head. Instead, I'd rather just tell you all to piss off. I apologize for nothing. I concede nothing. I will never surrender even a single inch of ground to a pitchfork mob of degenerate morons. You know, the secret they never say out loud is that nobody is truly canceled unless they consent to it and they willingly play their assigned roles. Well, I do not consent and I'm not going to play the game. I'm not going anywhere. God bless Matt Walsh. That is a clinic on, on how to deal with the woke mob. Should they ever come after you with their cancel culture? Never apologize. Don't give them an inch. Tell them to pound sand. All right, that's it for me. My thanks to Jody, Declan, and Jacob. And I'll be back tomorrow at four to do it all over again, God willing. Don't be late. Until then, I remain unbowed. Unbent. Unbroken. That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you tomorrow afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960am. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. 
Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.